Hello, Pod. That was a bit cockney, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, Pod. Hello, Pod. Welcome to the latest spoiler special. Hey! Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts. This one is recorded in a brand new studio. Wow, it's exciting. And it's also dedicated to the animation triumph that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. How exciting. Because I was going to say this is the latest entry in the MCU, but it isn't. It isn't. No. Or is it? Or is it? Well, yeah, Let's discuss knows? it. We will discuss it. Join me over the next 45 minutes or so to discuss the film are two of my finest spider colleagues of such lethal spider cunning. First of all, we have, I mean, we have a Ben. We do. We have an actual Ben on this podcast. Are you an Uncle Ben? I am. Please don't shoot me. Oh, God. He's doomed. <laughs> are you an Uncle Ben? I'm an Uncle Ben. You're so young. Yeah. It's hello. Ben Travis, by the way, everybody. Hello, Ben hello. Travis. Hello. hello, and hello to, to James Travis and to Ada Travis, my, my niece, if she's listening. I mean, I don't think she is, uh, because she is three years old. She should not be listening she to this. She should not be listening, listening to no, that. No, definitely not. No, we'll be saying, we'll be saying <laughs> fuck bombs and C words and all sorts of stuff. Uh, you can't, but only only one. So. There we go. You've used it already. What? You, you, you A fuck, fuck bomb. bomb. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, it's two now. There it is. That's our Reddit. Oh. Definitely no no room for Ada on this podcast. No. Uh, but welcome, Uncle Ben. Uh, you won't last too long. <laughs> no. But at least you will teach us a valuable lesson <laughs> yeah. along the way. That's good. Uh, next up, we have our very own geek queen. Not Aunt May, you'd be delighted to know. No, are you an aunt? You. you are an aunt. I am an aunt, just, just recently, yes. Okay. My nephew is currently dressed as Elf, as Buddy the Elf. Wow. Right now. From the hit motion picture. Buddy. <laughs> it is, of course, Helen O'Hara. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Um, Is that a I lie? Am, that I am feels a, like a lie. <laughs> it's a little bit of a lie. I have a sore thing. But um, I uh, I am, of course, related to a Spider-Man. So I'm very proud to be here today representing my oh, Spider-Family. Of course. Well, we'll get into that. We will. We'll get into that later on uh, because first up, two things. One, this is a spoiler special. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and you don't want to know everything that's, that's going on, why the hell are you listening to this podcast? But also, stop listening to it. Go and see the film. It's in cinemas right now. And then come back and listen to the podcast, okay? And then all the spoilers will be yours because we're going to get into it. Third Act Revelations, major deaths, and there are major deaths, and all sorts of stuff. The second thing that will delay us talking about the film is an interview with the film's producers and one of the co-writers, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the geniuses behind the Jump Street movies, the Lego movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and they were very, very instrumental in putting this film together as well. When they came into London last week, I had a good old, very, very fun chat with them. We got into it on some major spoilers. Some stuff we didn't really get into either, which gives us plenty of stuff to get into once you hear this interview. Uh, so here we are, me talking to Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I can't remember who speaks first, uh, which doesn't really help you guys. Anyway, do enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I like to I like to be, I like to bring clarity to the proceedings. It's a real ant or deck moment. There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Here's where here's where to help you out. Phil Lord wears glasses. Chris Miller does not wear glasses, so that should help you figure out who's speaking. Enjoy. You're awful. All right, so we should get into this because mm-hmm. you guys okay, are going to be, yeah, right, we should do you're be hooked, hooked away. Yes. Uh, Chris, do you prefer Christopher officially? Or what matter, you Chris or Christopher either Fantastic. way. Really? Whatever yes. Who calls you Christopher in real life? In, yeah. 
I mean, it's, it is official. I've never it? called you Christopher my whole life. Yeah. Not even when you're mad with him? Christopher <laughs> Miller. <laughs> I never. I think it would be like Chris Robert Miller. <laughs> I would never do that. Yeah, that uh, sounds weird. I would, I've called you Exofer. That's right. That was my, uh, that's about it. Just because I love you. Because oh, I want to give you kisses uh, and hugs all the time. There you go. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. We're delighted to be joined in this very, very special Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse spoiler special. I used the word special twice in the same sentence. That's how special the special is by the producers of the film and co-writer, in one case, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I went with Chris. That's great. I hope like, it hasn't We're close you. now. We have an intimacy oh gosh, right here. Yeah. I feel I've antagonized you in some yes. way by doing that, but <laughs> we'll try and get past it. He hates the word Chris. Oh, <laughs> loathes it. So I'm not going to say my own name during the uh, rest of this yes, podcast. Yes, right. Okay, well, tell me more, Chris. <laughs> my oh, no. no. Oh, no. Uh, this is a tremendous movie. I love this movie. And one of the things I loved about this movie, and this isn't a spoiler thing, I just want to gush at you for a little bit. Uh, is I love this interview that so far. It, Looks unlike any mainstream animated film I've ever seen. Was that the, uh, from the off, was that the idea that you could exploit what animation could do it, with this? It really was. Um, from the very beginning, four years ago, uh, Sony came to us and said, what about doing an animated Spider-Man movie? And we said, well, let us think about it. And we went back uh, and thought, well, how could you do something that felt original and fresh and new and interesting and, and gave audiences something to uh, to be worth paying money to see in a theater and two things came to mind one was uh could tell the miles morales story mm-hmm. um and the other one was that you could use animation as a medium to um to tell a story in a way that felt like you were walking inside the pages of a comic book we didn't know actually how to achieve that we just thought that <laughs> it would look neat if we could right all we had to do was make it look like nothing had ever looked before <laughs> Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> Piece of cake um, but for then someone else to do. <laughs> Sony said yes and kind of called our bluff, said, okay, sure, that sounds great. We're like, oh, really? And then <laughs> we had to figure out how to do it. Um, so we called up some talented people, and they all said, that sounds awesome. I don't know how to how do it. How are you going to do that? <laughs> but, but let's try. And and then many years later, it, 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 it happened beyond what we could have imagined. Never a doubt, Chris. Never a doubt. <laughs> always <laughs> certain. Always certain, never in doubt. Nailed on from the start. That's um, true. Another hole in one. Let's let's get into uh, some of the spoiler stuff now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now the preamble is out of the way. Oh yeah, guys. The the movie ends with the dedication of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the first thirty seven minutes a few weeks ago, and I was touched even then by Stan Lee's cameo, and it's taken on extra significance since. Can you talk mm-hmm. about about that and 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 what that means to you now? Well, you know, we were. 10 years old in a comic book shop when we first got to read Stan's writing and feel his message to us, which was that we were part of a community uh, of fans and that we were welcome and that um, exclamation points were fair game, as many of them as you want. (laughs) (laughs) And that message of inclusion and, uh, and really empowerment... Uh, was uh, formative for us, and we really uh, wanted to honor that in the movie because Stan and Steve Ditko are the godparents of all of these characters, and they created something that was really radical, which is that a, a superhero doesn't have to be a god from on high. It is A hero maybe ought to be somebody who's just like us. And turning it from a, 
turning it into a message of total empowerment for the reader. And uh, so that was so powerful that we felt like the movie had to had to have a role for him that was more significant than him being like the bus driver or something. Yeah. And and uh, so as a, as a team, when we came up with the idea that uh, he would give Miles his mask, uh, that that felt right. And and obviously we recorded it with Stan, and we did all, we thought of all this stuff long before you know he got ill, and uh, it it just was always touching. And so the fact that he passed away right before the movie came out, um, you know, it it it, it was. Uh, the, 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 his appearance in the movie is still really consistent with a tribute. Yeah, but the movie also feels like a real tribute to Ditko as well. Not just in terms of the representation of, of Spider-Man himself and how he moves and uh, the way he looks, but the way it goes full trippy at the end. I mean, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, it's really psychedelic. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'm a huge fan of Doctor Strange. It was probably the first comic I ever read and certainly the first one I collected consciously. And, you know, we've always loved that work and if you watch the movie carefully there's you know some comic book pages in uh in the sequence when miles figures out that he's spider-man and they are drawn specifically to look like a hybrid of steve dicko and john romita <laughs> <laughs> and so they have this like really studious um uh antique you know nostalgia to them and uh, and that's all because we we're all just big fans of all of those artists, and, and we wanted the movie to represent all those different styles in one way or another. Where did the conceit come from of introducing each Spider-Man with uh, with a little uh, recap, a little comic booky recap? That started in this in the first draft of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. There was um, it really it opened with Peter because we kind of wanted to fake you out and make you think this was a typical Spider-Man. Uh, origin narrative, and then um, introduce Miles, uh, kind of as a counterpoint. And I can't remember. I think at some point we started doing those flashbacks in mm-hmm. the screenplay early on, and then and then when when we were away for a minute, you know, Rodney took that and ran with it. Right, and I think making it feel like by the end. Miles gets his own mm-hmm. uh, version of that. He gets to tell his own flashback story mm-hmm. or flash present uh, <laughs> variation on that the theme. The underused uh, flash present. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it might just be the present. Yeah, and it feels like it's his. He's earned his stripes as a Spider-Man for the, at that at that moment, and that that was sort of a new thing that came. I'm saying new has probably been around for a year and a half, <laughs> but we've been working on this thing for four years. So um, that was uh, that sort of idea of using that as a variations on a theme to show how we're all the same and how we're all different was uh was um something that I don't think we had really thought about in the in the very earliest drafts it was sort of like a fun stylistic way to get information out that became more and more thematic as we worked on it mm. and uh in the ultimate uh, first uh, Aaron Davis the prowler is Miles's uh, uncle from the from the off but it's very much a twist in mm-hmm. in, in this film because I presume you're th- also thinking that most people won't have read the comics, so um, it will floor a lot of people. I think. Yes, yeah, when about... you watch it in, with a with a with an audience, you know the the aficionados are, are know it's coming and they're excited when it, when when the reveal. But I would say at least two thirds of the audience uh, are, there's like a gasp of of surprise when they find out that his uncle is 
the guy that's been chasing him the whole time. And, and it almost doesn't matter if you know or not because you're mm-hmm. watching the movie from Miles' point of view and then mm-hmm. you wind up being devastated for him yeah. because it means that his relationship with his uncle has changed forever. Mm-hmm. And the uh, relationship between the brothers has, has changed mm-hmm. forever as that's well. That's right. The, the Prowler meets his, uh, Aaron meets his, his, his demise in a different way from the comic books in this one. Uh, uh, and a kingpin shoots him. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that and what that means? Uh, that choice to put mm-hmm. uh, put that uh, in the kingpin's hands. Um, well, I mean, the big move was to make sure that it was something that Aaron made a conscious decision that he wanted to protect his nephew. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like a, a it's like a very moving choice that he makes. He realizes the situation that he's in, and he makes a choice to to um, to support his nephew uh, uh and and ultimately for miles what's important is you know it, in each one of these stories they haven't really fully become spider-man until uh someone close to them has uh died and they and they feel some culpability mm-hmm. uh in that so um so that was sort of part of the the journey that he needed to go on and having chosen Kingpin as the 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 main bad guy it seemed like he needed to be the one to pull the trigger on that so that in the end when Miles sh- has a showdown with Kingpin that it is like loaded with mm-hmm. a lot of complicated mm-hmm. feelings it's personal exactly yeah. in terms of uh, uh, Spider-Man as a whole you always have the with great power comes great responsibility uh phrase it hangs over Spider-Man uh like a, like a shadow uh, there's mm-hmm. even a bit where Peter B. Parker says, "Don't say that." I, yes. you know, I've, we like, I've, I've had it with that. Of that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and here you twist this like with with Miles, so it's it's about great expectations versus no expectations. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that and modernizing that slant? Well, we, we we were really inspired by the idea that Miles didn't necessarily want this, and and that was something that that Brian talked a lot about, and and Brian Michael Bendis. Yes, yeah. and and. Uh, we, I thought that was really interesting that that he got to you know, and it's a great parallel to him being in this school that he doesn't ask to be in, right? The idea that like his parents are thrilled and he's bummed, yeah, right, because it means it's going to be harder and he's going to be challenged and he's doing pretty great, right? He's in an equilibrium in his home school and his home neighborhood, and the and his you know his parents are asking him to reach for more and his teachers are asking him to reach for more and here his uncle is saying you know what man and especially in earlier drafts he said you don't you don't need to like do that stuff you can do whatever you feel like and that's really seductive and and, and one of the reasons we wanted to tell this story is to remind young people not only are you capable of great things but we were expecting great things from you and and we need them <laughs> because we're we're you know we all need uh, you the know we need pretty messed up yeah days. we're gonna need your help we're all counting on you that was important to us and yeah. and so you know this this idea of um, dealing with high expectations um, uh, seemed like it was germane to Miles' story you know we have we had a friend that we went to college with uh, who grew up on the south side of Chicago and. And she's like, what are you going to do after college? And we're like, oh, we're going to go to Los Angeles and be artists. <laughs> and she's like, that's great. Uh, I don't have that luxury yeah. because the, pe- the because I have a responsibility to the people that got together to send me here. 
and I need to make money <laughs> yeah. and I need to get a profession and I don't have that the safety net that you guys have. And that was really powerful for us to realize that that was her mission, was to honor mm-hmm. the community that that um, supported her while she you know, went to this fancy school. There's uh, a couple of things throughout the movie I wanted to talk about specifically. 42, what is the significance mm-hmm. of 42, apart from being the meaning yes. of life? So uh, 42 <laughs> is the, the lottery ball number that was Miles that, uh, that gets uh, him into the school, which is sort of a, a metaphor for the, you know, being chosen at random for something and, and, and having to, to rise up to the, ex- uh, to the expectations. Uh, we asked uh, Brian uh, Bendis uh, where it came from, and it was because it was uh, Jackie Robinson's number. Uh, um, <laughs> and so that's why he chose that number, and so we thought that was cool. And so the number 42 is littered throughout the movie, uh, yes. as I'm sure you noticed. I spotted it a couple of times. I spotted it whenever uh, Miles falls off the building onto a cab mm-hmm. and knocks numbers <laughs> off. And yep. The spider, I think, is 42. That's correct. Yeah, it's it's, on the spider a, it's well. like his numbers come up. You know, it was important that he wasn't... Uh, a, it's not his birthright, this yes. thing, mm. right? It's so. a thing that happens to him against his will. There's a, there's a lot in this movie that is left open to the imagination. You don't, unless I missed it, because entirely possible because I'm an idiot, uh, <laughs> you don't explain where the spider came from. We say it's an Alchemax spider, and Alchemax mm. is the company that, um, that makes the collider. Mm. Um, and when we were doing research into colliders, it turns out they use spider silk, uh, in uh, in making uh, colliders somehow, but also <laughs> the other idea that that is never said was that they were first testing uh, live beings on uh, with a spider th- with the multiverse as like earlier tests okay. that had happened, and they had gotten irra- radiated, and this spider was some spider that had come from another dimension in one of their early tests. But they don't but basically the audience didn't care. Yes. We had we had, <laughs> we had all these explanations and yes. they were like, we know, we get it. There's it's fine. There's some spider. science magic happens to the spider and it bites yes, him. We know. There, there are much more longer uh, explanations. Okay, interesting. Uh, so uh, Peter B. Parker is the, the main Peter in the film. I'm going to call the other one Peter A. Parker. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, B yeah, is technically his middle middle initial, yeah, the middle ben, initial of both. Benjamin, yes. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but, you know, they're, they're all yeah. just A, B, C, D. Yeah. You, know, you can do 26 of these. It's yeah, true. Right? Be totally it's true. Fun. That's the idea. <laughs> so, uh, we used to call him Burrito Peter because uh, he was, it seemed like he ate a lot of burritos. <laughs> and then we realized that people don't eat as many burritos in New York City. They really That's eat true. pizza. So, oh, really? Not shawarma? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, so you have Chris Pine mm-hmm. is Peter A. Slouch. B. Parker. Yes. <laughs> yes. And his magic uh, eyes. Completing the uh, the full set of Chris's in the Marvel Universe. Indeed. Right. Another, that enraging name, Chris, <laughs> once again. I know, Arr. here it comes back again. Oh, he was, yeah. uh, we were trying to think of the ideal Spider-Man to contrast with Jake's uh, Spider-Man. And whose and, voice sounded the most handsome. Yes, and someone who could be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Handsome, funny, charming, and everything, and everything. He's like Errol Flynn. The guy can do anything. We, you know, we asked him to sing Christmas songs, like Spider Christmas songs yep. for us. And he did, and he has an amazing singing voice, too. I mean, the guy, come on. Don't you be gotta surprised have some if flaws. you hear another Christmas song it's coming true. your way someday soon. It's oh, true. my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the spoiler show. We might as well say that. It is sublimely. We have. uh, Lame. 
What have you got? What have you got? <laughs> there was, so there's Spidey Bells that's in the, the uh-huh. end credits. There's a longer version of that. And then there's a Up on the Housetop uh, uh, song that he also sings, which is really... <laughs> it's great. It's very it much nails what, the tone what of it would be if you asked Spider-Man <laughs> to sing a Christmas song, <laughs> um, right down the middle of the. Yeah, I'm it's, very, I'm very yeah, excited. It's, it's not it's, funny so much as humorous. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I think I noticed at one point that there's a box of cereal. And I think it's called Pitos. Is that right? Spideyos. It's Spideyos. Okay, I couldn't say because it was okay. Spideyos. No, we in this movie. Here's a this is a fun spoiler thing. Yeah, there is no. I mean, there are there are the comic books, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of discussion and many, many, many hours of discussion about this. Like the True Life Tales comic books. Yeah, but they have to change the information. So if you look very closely inside the comic books. His name isn't Peter Billy. Parker, it's yeah. Billy Barker. <laughs> um, <laughs> Crack that code. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, like, who, who could it be? Who we don't know. Who could it possibly be? <laughs> um, but, uh, but that was how we got, got around the idea that there are comic books in this universe, but, uh, but his secret identity hasn't been revealed to everyone. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So we, if they call him Pedios, that would really I was going to say, that's, that yeah. was like, yeah, what no, is... It's Spideos. Yeah. Spideos. There were, there were a lot more... Things that that uh, commercial tie-ins that he had been a part of, in, like, yes. including a movie yes. starring The Rock. That's right. There was a version of him <laughs> and where a different like drafts. Tom Cruise. Yeah, um, and he just drove a sports car. That's right. And like had Uzis <laughs> and stuff. I'll say on that front, if you want, uh, if you like, are thinking about it too much, like in the opening credits, he's uh, at a. I guess we think a lunch date with Mary Jane when the car oh. comes and he punches the yeah, car. Right. Yeah. In, his he's suit. in his suit, in the full spider suit, <laughs> kind of also kind of giving away like who's the guy having a date with Mary he's, Jane. It was reckless. He's just well, yeah, he's just interesting. He's a he's a nice guy. That exactly. was the that was the lunch where he learned the consequences of being out in public with loved ones. Exactly. A car might come in and Almost smasher. <laughs> exactly. So that, that that introduction obviously riffs a lot on the Raimi Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. but he's not meant to be that Raimi Spider-Man. I That's know that correct. there was there was talk there were differences. He yeah. punches the car. And it <laughs> he blows punches up. the car. Yeah. When he and MJ kiss, if you look closely, she's upside down and <laughs> he's right side up. The idea was that you have a, it's an amalgamation <laughs> of all the different. Uh, spider people throughout the years uh, in canon and uh, and some of the most iconic moments from all of those, but in all ways, in but twists on every single one of them. So it, it was always supposed to be uh, sort of uh, an uber uber Peter, I guess. Yes, and uh, with an Aunt May who yes. is fully aware of his secret, and he's built this exactly. sort of spider cave, which exactly. is amazing. And she's like yeah. the cue to to yeah. his uh, bond, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. It was always it, it was always supposed to be its own universe version, but but obviously paying tribute to all of that have come before. Okay, so is Peter B. Parker, Peter B. B. Parker, uh, the Jake Johnson Peter Parker? Mm-hmm. Is he the Earth six one six Spidey? He or? is a he is uh, could be he's from another another dimension <laughs> uh, because <laughs> he's not in the M- he's not the MCU Peter. Obviously, yep. that's Tom Holland. Yeah, he's in an, a, a universe where. Another one of these amalgamy type characters uh, uh, grew up at the same rate that that's okay. Raimi, the Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah, we kind of wrote him as though like the Raimi Spider-Man had gotten older, right? And what would happen? <laughs> he would just become addicted to eating food. That's, mm. that's he would. That's he would. He exerted a lot of use a, use up a lot of calories. Uh, you know, fighting bad guys. Oh my gosh. 
And then the problem is then, so you so you get build up these eating habits over twenty years. Because Olympics, then your metabolism then... just drops through the floor. <laughs> it's really true. Ask any pro athlete once it's they retire; true. it's brutal. Uh, Doc Ock's password is really complicated. Yes. Yeah, I mean, how would she remember that? I wouldn't remember. She's, well, she's a scientist. A, she's sharp as a tack. Yeah, I mean, she built a, a, a an interdimensional collider. I think remembering a few numbers and letters is probably not, <laughs> not a big deal. Her, also, uh, <laughs> the security in that place had better be tip top. Exactly, you're not just yeah. going to have her birthday. You never know when password. someone's going to be like rooting around trying to steal your secrets. Exactly, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> that's a, that's an amazing reveal. There's loads of twists in this film, but the reveal of of uh, uh, what are you officially calling that character? Doc Ock, uh, Liv. 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 We call her Liv. Liv. Yeah. What is she? What's her name in the credits? She, I think it's Liv in the credits, uh, just so as to not mess up anybody who's stumbling through. My IMDb. favorite line that uh, I laugh at every time, it's, and nobody. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 I love it when when uh, Aunt May goes, "Oh, great, it's Liv." Exactly, <laughs> cracks me up. Um, but every yeah, time. If, yeah, if it isn't, we should try and get the IMD thing fixed so that it can stay a surprise for people. Yeah. Because I think that's a good. It's one of the we should one of I, the ones we've been. I wonder really if we blew it that. in the in the crawl. Yeah, <laughs> I literally don't remember. <laughs> We we kept some good secrets. Yes, like interesting person number, number one. one. Yes. yes, and two. Yes, that was it's like it's like you've read my notes. Uh, it's amazing. Interesting person number one is uh, Oscar Isaac. It's That's because it, we were worried. You know what? You know why we beefed it is because yes. we only protected the stuff that happened after the crawl. Right. Because we figured if you're watching the movie and the crawl comes up, yeah, you, you can call yeah, it whatever yeah. you want. But then we didn't want to spoil if the the reward of waiting around for the uh, you mm-hmm. know the post credit scene exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's Miguel O'Hara. It is yeah. Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Uh, who is interesting person number two? I didn't. Oh, that is uh, Lila. That is the uh, the his partner, the oh, woman who uh, yes, yes, who. Yes. Uh, it's a it's a different take on that from in the, the comics. She's like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, looking. Type it was of a person. different time. <laughs> um, four years ago when it was uh, um but yeah so we we wanted to do um a, a kind of twist on that but um um yeah that was a fun fun dynamic and uh obviously there's a promise of future adventures with him uh down the line unless he's just going to be pointing at other spider-men i like the idea yeah. of like uh like midnight run <laughs> with 2099 and 67 that seems like a great movie. <laughs> That's, by the way, a pro tip. The same actor plays 67 and Green Goblin. It's true. Yorma. Insanely. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard Yorma. Yorma from uh, The Lonely Island. Uh, yeah, his voice is altered a little bit on the Goblin one and, and deepened somewhat, but he is uh, he's a real, real treasure. It was really fun. It was really fun to call him and be like, you need to do it worse. Oh, the 67 one? <laughs> Uh, all right, speed round, speed round. Here we go. Uh, Aunt May, did you consider yes. did you consider her being spider powered at any point? The spider mom. She's sort of like yes. halfway in between. Uh, it, yeah. We 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 decided to make her kind of the cue of this world, and we kind of imagined that she built that whole lab, and okay. she certainly builds those. Um, Web, web shooters. shooters for miles because it's always yep. kind of crazy that you're like I was chosen at random to be a thing but I also invented this technology that would make me a billionaire because I made <laughs> super strong tensile silk that can shoot out of a very small thing and then dissolves after a couple and hours never runs out and never <laughs> runs out and you're like oh okay I guess the same guy just so happened to be Bill invent a spider themed <laughs> piece of machinery that would be world revolutionizing. So I think it's cool that Aunt May did it in this Absolutely. universe. 
Absolutely. Uh, that's all, folks. Can Spider-Ham really say that legally? Did you, <laughs> how it was, difficult was it to clear that? We're going to find out. <laughs> we, it was, you can't imagine the long email chain that that uh, legal back and forth that we were stuck on trying to get that line in the movie. In, and, and I think some good old-fashioned arm-twisting... Yes. And the word please repeated many times. Well, we have a nice relationship with Warner Brothers. You know, we do the Lego movies with them, and Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and we love working with them, so... I think it's a win for them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, But... Uh, you know, sometimes there's always nervous uh, lawyers uh, <laughs> they have to get They have around. no incentive to say no. <laughs> it's just a risk. They get no benefit from, like, people laughing in a theater at something. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, they just, like, furious You about can't this. use that in a court of law. No, these but people But it was funny it. <laughs> in our defense. In our defense. Damn it! Damn it! Was it. Funny. Uh, the the movie ends. It seems to end anyway with with Gwen somehow communicating with with Miles. It does. Can you talk about that? <laughs> well, it was interesting. We had a lot of different ch- sort of uh, attempts at that last moment, and at times it kind of felt like a uh, like a Twilight Zone ending. Like he thinks it's over, but guess what? It's not, and it left you with this kind of sour feeling like he lost and i think at that moment you want to feel like he completely won and what better better way to win than to feel like he has a lasting relationship that's going to continue past the movie and we just loved their you know their their friendship and thought it was so strong and warm and and uh, so it was a way to really feel like he earned um you know he earned an, a a friend and that there's going to be further, you know, adventures between the two of them, which seems kind of nice. There seems to be a bit of a time jump as well, a little bit of a time jump between the, you know, the end of the action part of the movie and the mm. end of the movie. So actually, in Chris's flash present, that's right. <laughs> it's a bit of a flash forward. It is. Yeah, yeah. that was sort of to be technically. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had uh, like everything in this movie. There were discussed ad nauseum uh, the logic of things and various versions of it, and. And 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 Phil uh, convinced me that that it could be a like a jump ahead in time because it's a uh, montage and he talks about all the things time. he's he did. Yes, and uh, and that moment comes after that little speech. So I don't know how far forward it is. Could be seventy five years. It could be seventy five years, yes. and he's immortal and doesn't age. <laughs> there's your spoiler for you. That's, that's, there's another. <laughs> yeah. There's another power. Yeah, yeah we cut out powerful. the scene where he said, "And all my family are all died. I buried them." <laughs> you have already announced the sequel, and quite rightly so. And there's lots of other spider people out there. It's like calling your own home run, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> what do you say? How would you do that in cricket? <laughs> uh, you would, you would, before the ball arrives, you would go six, six wickets. Go. Yeah, you yeah. would point. You would point. point you would, same point. with baseball. You would point to where you're going to hit the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yes, you would do that. It's, so it's a bit of that. It's a bit done. of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is is the Tom Holland Spider-Man off limits, or is that something that I would you would say look nothing at? Nothing is off limits. the The beauty of the multiverse is that literally anything is possible. <laughs> Any variation you can think of. We like to think that all of these movies and worlds. Can exist in parallel, yeah. um, and um, you know we'll see what happens. Nicholas Hammond Spider Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now there you talking. go. Now, now we're, we're talking. There we go. That's it. And then the very last thing: if you can have any Spider Man, any Spider Man who's out there, there's Ben Riley, there's all sorts of mm-hmm. sorts of ones. Would you consider having a Spider Man who 
fires webbing from his butt. You know, We've we talked, talked about, about this at great length. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> if you want it to be anatomically correct, they actually uh, they excrete silk from their abdomen, it turns out. Right. Uh, so, so would that be... grosser somehow? Do you think um, it's from the front? Like It's like your belly button area? How many inches beneath the belly it has button? It to be pretty far above... The crotchal area for it to so not it's not be, in like, the I mean, it's yeah MPA exactly <laughs> exactly I mean there's so many things that spiders do yeah. that Spider-Man that doesn't gross. do <laughs> like lay like thousands have, of eggs yeah, have eight eyes and eight appendages <laughs> and all these things you think. I think we should definitely make Miles lay thousands of eggs and then a oh, million Mileses come out of him. I'd be way exactly. into that. Oh. We did consider making that. Um, oh, I will say this, and I've discussed this with Jason Latour, uh, uh, one of the creators of Spider Gwen. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, that he, who may or may not be working on something in this vein, <laughs> that that it comes out of his abdomen, the the webs, mm-hmm. and then there's a syst- elaborate system of pulleys <laughs> and winches. That that pull it out of his wrists. Uh-huh. So there's like uh-huh. a suit, like it's like uh, correct under the suit. Okay, it's like yeah. one of those things where you like uh, you have uh, like a catheter or something, and the and the and the <laughs> urine goes out through a tube. That's it. The, as the yes. urine comes out through your wrists, and you can shoot it at people. Everybody has one of those. So, so anyway, that was that. I I pitched it pretty hard to Jason. Yeah. And s- to see if he would make Bite. it canon, yeah, he seemed a bit resistant. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. But I think that's a great. I think it's a solution that works for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't look uh, uh, like it R- doesn't R- look gross. R rated. Like he's hanging no, from totally his fine. butt. Totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Mature audiences only. But it makes more sense, and it's more spider-like and more true to true. the anatomy of spiders. Indeed. He was bitten by a spider. He was. He was. He was bitten by a radioactive pig. <laughs> yeah, that's spider ham, yes. It was a spider bitten by a radioactive pig. Yeah, so... But he didn't get any pig powers. He just was, I guess, larger. It feels inconsistent to me. I know. It's a... Listen... If you try and If you try to understand spider ham... Spider ham... You're gonna... <laughs> You're gonna lose. That's the pl- the joy. The message of, of it is, is just, that you can't believe he exists. Just go with it. That's the message. <laughs> That's it. Oh man, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's, it's been, been a really pleasure. fun. Can it's we been a keep watching going? The, the sequel just take you know take oh, shape. Yeah, I know. Eyes. You're gonna yeah. probably sue us for story credit on it, and rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I just just suggest that the one the bad guy should be called the catheter? And, oh yeah, you know, great idea. But the it's catheter. a cat. <laughs> It's one of one of um, it's a feline ham, one of Spider Ham's villains. Obviously, oh, the, the cat, the cat <laughs> hater. But it's um, a. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This never happened in the Macquarie podcast. That's no, that's this wasn't. Uh, this right. is Macquarie's bag. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's. Uh, yeah, I think we packed six hours of content. There we go. That's Obviously, efficient, efficient. Listen, you get a skills. lot of value. It's yeah, right. For listening to this podcast. And I think I've asked all my questions. Oh, no, wait, I haven't. Oh, wait yeah, no, a I minute. Haven't. What do we got? I haven't. We could be uh, here all uh, day. Now, you guys got to go. We got to go. We've got, got an go. important yeah, meeting with Mr. Burger. <laughs> <laughs> with Mr. Burger. <laughs> Mr. Cheeseburger. Mr. Neil Hamburger. <laughs> um, all right. Suck well, uh, it to us. Uh, I thought I heard someone mention Venom. Did I? Venom? Yeah. Uh, well, we I think we, Peter B. Parker mentioned Venom. Did he? Well, there's a Venom strike. Yes, that, the Venom that strike. That is Miles, uh, one of his special powers. All right, so contextually yes. I did, but uh, I got it wrong. 
Yes, I mean uh, that, that's the term for his his yeah. zappy powers. Yeah. You're you're making my wheels turn mm. to see how. Wait a it second. It could happen. Wait a second. Venom teams up with the catheter. Yes, Venom. I've, now there's a. Spin-off. There's so many different Venoms. I know. There's, there's a, a lot she of Venom. There's mm-hmm. a lot of. There's a Gwenom, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Gwenom. Uh, is there a is there a ham? There's a Venom a ham Venom. <laughs> Venham. Ven Venham. <laughs> Venom. Venom. Yeah. That's I'm pretty sure. good. I think if you're going to yeah. do a Venom, that it has yeah. to be Venom. I think you're talking about uh, uh, 21 Jump Street production designer Peter Venom. That's true. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's probably what you mean. Mm-mm. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to the co writer and producers of Spider Man Into the Spider Verse and Venom Into the Venom Verse. <laughs> into the Venom Verse is not enough. The kind of, of course. The catheter into the catheter first. <laughs> yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. This Chris good. Miller. <laughs> yes, Chris. That's right. And Chris Phil to Lord. Chris. Yeah, we can Chris it up all day we long. We will. Oh, man. oh, and we will. Guys, break it up, okay? <laughs> I hate it's being Christmas. the third oh, wheel here. Oh, you it's Christmas. Sorry, you weren't invited to the Chris Club. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. Oh man, it's not Just Phil Mass. Exactly. I guess not. Yeah. What what holidays named after you? F- um, Farber Day. On that uh, bombshell. <laughs> there we go. Fed- Veterans Day. <laughs> All right. That's just in America. And the 4th of July. That's right. Oh, very yeah, nice. Filth of July. <laughs> the filth of July. <laughs> Thanks, right, guys. On that one. bombshell. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So that was Phil Lord and Chris Miller, or depending on who actually spoke first, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. And that was a lot of fun. You think, weirdly enough, that's going to we we have got some listener questions uh, for this podcast, but you would think let's let's talk about amongst yourselves a little bit first. Mm. You would think that doing a spoiler special for a an animated Spider-Man movie would be a bit redundant. That there wouldn't be an awful lot to spoil. There wouldn't be an awful lot of plot to get into or major plot shenanigans. But this movie's chock full of stuff to talk about. It's a it's a fantastic movie. It's not like you know cutesy animated for kids for three year olds and up sort of a movie. Sorry, Ada. This is this is a movie very much for like everybody and probably only from by what seven or eight up even then like there's some death so you know you'd have to be sure of your seven-year-old being kind of cool with that yeah um but it it is a it is a film that has so much kind of um, textural meat to it so much character detail so much i mean the animation is incredibly innovative Mm -hmm. but so is the storytelling so is the way they presented the many many spider worlds and i think it's one of the first I think it's one of the first comic book movies really anywhere outside possibly anime and things like Akira to really grapple with how weird comics can get and how, you know, completely out there all these iterations of a character or a theme or a notion can be. You know, obviously Doctor Strange certainly got into how weird looking comics could be, but I feel like this one is the first one to really explore all the weird corners of the Marvel verse um, and, and all its kind of different takes on essentially the same idea of a person or thing being bitten by a spider and or not and having some powers that may or may not relate to some of those powers uh, that a spider may or may not have you know yeah yeah to, to boil it down really yeah. succinctly like i just did absolutely yeah. <laughs> i think you were mentioning the um the animation style there which is absolutely one of my favorite things about the film but one of the i think the thing that's great about it is that it's not just um, innovation for innovation's sake. In that animation, it feels very tied into 
into the concept of these different realities crashing together and they're all the same but they're all slightly different and i love those moments where you have all these different forms of animation sharing the screen like when, when penny's on the screen and it she's an anime character and spider-man noir is in black and white but they're yeah. all in the same frame together and i think yeah the, that kind of real shift in, in animation style feels so baked into the concept of of spider-verse that mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. they're not kind of um, separate things that they are really tangled together and I, I love that about the film I mean it was very easy to be sceptical about this movie wasn't mm-hmm. it when it was first announced and I think we were we probably were even though the, the presence of Lord Miller as producers was something to, to cling on to mm-hmm. but we were very sceptical about Venom whenever it was announced and uh, you know I think <laughs> you know, there's a lot of movies that aren't within the, the purview of the MCU that it's very easy to go well that doesn't sound that great does it I don't remember this being announced I only remember the trailer coming out and it being just quite, arrived yeah and being quite astonished by that so I don't remember any scepticism whatsoever I remember seeing the trailer and being like yes I need this in my life yes mm. I, I think it was announced at the same time as the announcement that, that um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man was going to be introduced yes, and yeah. come into the MCU uh, so it yeah. was it was kind of that was the big headline and then it was like oh and also Sony are doing a, an animated one that's a yeah. cinema and it was I think we just didn't get a sense of what that was going to be and I think people didn't massively trust Sony with that property just because of the, the, there was Amazing disappointment Spider-Man around too. Amazing Spider-Man and the exciting thing about that whole announcement was Spider-Man joining the MCU and this felt like a bit of an aside and I think now that it's come out and you see what the vision of that uh, of this project was always meant to be it's just as exciting and I think this is going to really actually kind of make it difficult for live action Spider-Man to 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 live up to what this film does because aside from the animation and the form and the style even just on a like an action level and the shots of various Spider-Men and people kind of swinging through um cities and and the real propulsiveness and the the exhilaration you get from those shots yeah. all the things that you get in the live action Spider-Man films as well this one does as good if not even better and I, I think the the stage has kind of been set for um, Far From Home to have to try and not only outdo Homecoming which is pro- possibly still my favourite Spider-Man film but kind of Spider-Verse is up there but yeah to, to kind of match up to what, what Spider-Verse has done Yeah I, th- I do think actually visually this is going to this is going to set some bars higher I think for the live action Um, because obviously you can't do everything in live action that you can do in animation that's the point of animation you know Pixar's motto has always been why do we need to tell why do we need to tell this story why is this an animated story as opposed to live action one and often Mm -hmm. the answer is because they're doing something that just wouldn't work in live action toys it's just not going to be as cool you could do it maybe stop motion but why would you bother that makes no sense I think there's a there's an element of you can't do exactly what this film does with live action. You physically cannot do some of the shots that this film does in live action. But at the same time, you've got it. You're right. You've got to get that sense of exhilaration and that sense of visual dazzle somehow into your into your Spider Verse, uh, Spider Man films, if you can. And that's going to be kind of an interesting challenge going forward. I think. I think you know. Look, we've seen a series of superhero movies this year raising the bar one after another raising the bar setting down a challenge it's why something like venom okay it performed fine at the box office people watched it but it felt so old it felt so past it because it couldn't match the storytelling the visuals the acting even always of of a lot of these films that's, that are coming out now and i think we're, we're in a real golden age um we've known that for a while of superhero movies but i think this is um this is another 
high. I loved it. Yeah, this this movie is fantastic. Uh, it really pushes the envelope in a way. Like when, you, when you talk to Laura Miller, and we got into a little bit more in depth in a Q and A Q&A I hosted with them as well about how they basically had to rewrite the rule book in order to make this movie mm. happen. So it's CG animation, but each frame is hand-drawn on top of that. So you have animators who are working furiously. They had to write new software to, to really push the envelope the way they wanted to push it. Uh, this movie wasn't... It wasn't possible to make this movie in the way that it presented two years ago. But I just... I, I, I love the fact that it breaks new ground mm. and it points a new way ahead for mainstream animation. Even Pixar, we we talked about this in the podcast, the main podcast before, Helen, that even Pixar, there's a homogenization going on of animation at the moment where it's it's hard even to sometimes tell a Pixar movie apart from a DreamWorks animation movie, uh, apart from uh, an Illumination entertainment animation. I uh, would Blue disagree. Sky. I, well, I think they're all, they all There's feel... definitely shared DNA. They there, all feel they? the same to me. And this is a movie that feels fresh and funky and present stuff in a way that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. In a way that, you know, I think we've got some questions com- coming in from, from, from listeners and some of whom actually don't necessarily like this this style of animation. And, it, it you know, it, it does push it in an interesting direction. But I think hats off to them. Hats off to the directors as well, uh, Rodney Rothman and Peter Ramsey and Bob Persichetti, because they really have pushed this thing in, a, in an interesting direction. That makes you think, oh, my God. We know, obviously, these things are, are comic book movies. They have their origin in comic books. They have their origin in art and the printed page. And we know they work gangbusters on TV as animation. But I never really thought that I wanted to see an animated superhero movie <laughs> until now, until this movie comes along. And I'm just thinking, if they're all as smart as this, and for all as visually progressive as this, yeah. then... Well, Bring them on. Well, look, I mean, some of the best Batman movies, I'm sorry, are the animated ones. Mask of the Phantasm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Red Hood, obviously, I have a soft spot for. You do indeed. Um, as well. But this is it. There, there, are, there are certain stylistic things that you can do in these, in these movies to get it closer to the comic book experience. Yes. Um, and, 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 bring some of that to life and bring some of that texture to it as well. The texture of the animation here is just glorious because mm. it'll go from really realistic three, um, you know, 3D CG to being able to see the texture of the page. It's it's magic. Yeah, I just absolutely loved it. It feels like you could feel the dots. Yeah. Right. You're reading a, a Marvel comic or, or or any other comic, you know. Other 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 like, ones yeah, are available, Chris. Other comic companies do exist, uh, you know, from this, particularly from the 60s or 70s. It almost feels like an opening shot of the Comics Code Authority in a weird way. Is basically saying, okay, we're settling up. This is a more old-timey yeah. in terms of the texture of the comic. Not in terms of the action that's taking place because Miles Morales is a very modern character, a very modern take on Spider-Man. But I just loved it. And it, it feels old-timey while at the same time being the most new-timey thing you've ever seen uh, on the big screen. That, that wow. Comics Code moment in the press screening, that got a cheer. Really, no, and, and like its own really loud cheer. Yeah, People were so excited by it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, th- I, I've got an old, um, I've got an old, uh, not an old. I've got a big book of a Spider-Man comics, but it's it's with Jack Kirby's drawings, and you can see his line drawings, sort yeah. of, you know, him correcting as he goes. Huge, huge things. You can see all the detail, and it felt a lot like that with the with the hand-drawn detail around the edges mm. of this one as well. And also the, the the style of the animation, as far as I can see, to my unlearned eye, changes constantly through the movie. It yeah. refines and mutates and evolves throughout the movie. So when Miles gets bitten by the spider. It does. It it suddenly becomes more 
jerky in a weird way. And then at other times it becomes smoother as he begins to become in sync with his powers. And you're right, Helen, as well, talking about, you know, could this movie only be made as an animated film? And I think, yeah, because because of the, the way that the, the different animation styles of Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Ham and Gwen, Gwen, you know, Spider-Gwen all crash into each other, that could not work in a live-action setting. Yeah. And I was thinking during the film, I was thinking, aren't they going to go down the route of having the Tom Holland Spider-Man show up in this movie at some point and how would that work would it be a Mary Poppins style Hoover and Roger Rabbit style <laughs> thing where he's the only live action element in this animated world oh my world. god that would be amazing <laughs> you know? I want that for the sequel yeah but but then again because this is an animated movie they don't know they're animated right, right. so therefore the Tom Holland one would have to be animated too right or maybe he, but maybe he'd be live action but he'd be like the Deadpool yeah maybe 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 Ben, would you like to see that? Like to see Tom Holland? I would love that. And especially, I think there um, it's set up that there is a level of awareness, especially because um, Spider-Ham, when he says, oh, do, do animals talk in this dimension? I think they understand that they all come from very different places. So I, I think it, it feels very open for, for live-action Tom Holland to step into that universe. I think that would be the way, if if there's a way to kind of up the ante on this, I just go even pardon. further into it. There's <laughs> no way to talk about Aunt May. Disgraceful. Oh. Disgraceful. Outrageous. Honestly. Shall yeah. I move on to something <laughs> yeah. else? All right. I think I've ruined that one. But if, if Tom Holland, uh, if Tom Holland's iteration of Peter Parker, and we're talking about the Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man, of course, not Tom Holland the historian, or Tom Holland the director of Fright Night, or Tom Holland the guy who fixed James Dyer's roof. Very, very clear in this. Tom Holland, the guy who plays Spider-Man. If he were to show up in this movie, would that be one Peter Parker too many? Or... Do you think you can never have too many Peter Parkers? Uh, how many Peter Parkers is a preponderance of Peter Parkers? Or indeed, would you, if you will, a plethora of Peter Parkers? <laughs> would you say I had a plethora of Peter Parkers? <laughs> no, I think that, I think this was this was pretty good, but much the right level of Peter Parkers, at least for one movie. Because, you know, he is the original Spider-Man and it's sort of, you know, you were saying just a few months ago, I think, when we talked about this, he's your Spider-Man. Like, you, you, you appreciate that Miles Morales exists, but it's Peter Parker. That's your Spider-Man. Yeah, just because I'm old. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, therefore, having two Peter Parkers kind of makes sense. And I liked that one was the sort of young, more heroic, more on top of it Peter Parker, um, the Chris Pine Peter Parker. We now have all four movie Chris's. Come on! And, and yeah, and then you also have the slightly you know, flabbier reflection of Peter Parker and the sense that, you know, even the great hero, even the Spider-Man, you know, there is a there is a, a scenario, there is a universe, there is a possibility where he really can't keep juggling all the things that he tries to juggle. And he, he really does have to lose something that he can't cope with losing, you know, because mm. that's always been his dilemma. That's always been Peter Parker's dilemma in particular. He's the, you know, he's the original superhero whose life was made worse by his superpowers. And he was trying to juggle like, school, girlfriend, aunt, work, uh, other jobs, you know, and it never, ever worked. And heroism. It never, ever worked for him. And it's kind of, there's something quite pure in a way of seeing a version of him that acknowledges that it is really impossible to do that and that maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't work out for him um, and yet obviously he's Peter Parker so you know at the end of the film he goes back to try again which is great but because it. he's Peter Parker we just expect that he will fail and no, at some point no he's got he is going to be reconciled with MJ at the end of the film come on Chris have okay. some belief alright sure sure 
Sure, Helen. I was wondering at one point whether he was going to stick around in this uh, universe and <laughs> plant one on this version, this newly widowed version of, uh, of MJ. She's far too young for him. We've had this conversation. Does it matter in animation? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's only, what, a 15-year age gap? Ew. <laughs> she can probably do better, to be honest. She could do better. Do he a- probably wants her, but she could, she can yeah. do better. She I mean, that, better. that's the whole thing about MJ, though, isn't it? She can always do better. <laughs> this is very, very true. Uh, we'll get on to the Peter Parkers uh, in more detail in a second. But this is Miles Morales' story. Yeah. And uh, I I love this character. I don't, I'll be honest, I, I haven't been keeping up with Spider-Man in the way that I once did. And I'm not as au fait with the character as I am Peter Parker. So I was pleasantly surprised mm. by by Miles in this. He's uh, he's a, a variation on the old theme, but a, but a lovely one. I think um, one of the things that the film does really really well, on top of all the crazy stylistic and out there and universe crashing stuff going on, that it um, it does his origin really well without just feeling like a rote origin story, and it unfurls his character and his background and his powers, which are quite different to Peter Parker's. Um, kind of through the course of the film it's an introduction to Miles that doesn't just feel like a straight origin story but it feels really fresh and he's playing off this other version or these other versions of Spider-Man that you know and you've seen in all these other incarnations I think it has that wonderful like feeling of familiarity and feeling totally new at the same time and I as somebody who like I read bits and pieces of comics here and there but I, I haven't followed them through the years and I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know that he had such a different skill set of powers like the invisibility and, and that kind of stuff. So those moments where those that kind of pops into the, the scenario yeah. took me by surprise in a really fun way. It just felt like constant delight and invention and surprise. And um, yeah, I really like that with, with his character. I'll tell you actually where I, I, I know Miles Morales from more than the comic books uh, is Marvel Puzzle Quest, which is <laughs> a game I play religiously oh on my phone it's uh, a really fun really addictive game and uh, Miles Morales is uh, a player in that so one of his powers is invisibility another one is this sort of venom sting type thing he does so that's how I knew he had those powers wow. not from reading those comic books <laughs> the one or two but, but I, Miles he just feels he feels fresh he feels new he also feels important he's a biracial yeah. character one of the screens I went to of this movie it was really really wonderful to see how many young black people were out watching the film and watching a Spider-Man who speaks to them Mm. in a way that Peter Parker never did. It's also just a really likeable, um, charming character. Very, you know, it's a really sweet depiction of a teenager and a really relatable depiction of a teenager. And, you know, he's full of all the sort of, you know, conflicted feelings towards his family where he he absolutely needs them. He, you know, their love is sort of the bedrock of his whole sort of life. But at the same time, he's kind of trying to pull away and establish himself as an independent, growing up, tough guy. And that's a really charming and relatable sort of scenario to be in. His relationship with his family, I think, I think was just great and really well drawn, even in just a couple of little scenes. His body language, you know, the sort of teenage awkwardness, the sort of folding in on himself and gradually learning to like Mm -hmm. move his shoulders back and down a little bit and become more like a sort of confident person um, and uh, and obviously you know his whole arc with his with his dad in particular was great but but also this sense of trying to figure out who you are trying to code switch I think at his new school you know he doesn't fit in he's trying to get himself pulled out to somewhere where he feels more comfortable 
but actually, you know, he's a really bright guy. He's where he should be. And I loved the little tiny scene of his teacher essentially telling him that, you know, the only way you can do this badly on this test is by knowing the answers. This is where you're supposed to be kind of thing. And I, I think, again, by the end of the film, he's gradually beginning to sort of sense that he might have a place there and he might be able to fit in mm. um, through the help, I think, of the other Spider-Mans as persons, mm-hmm. because <laughs> being around a whole bunch of other incredibly gifted I'm assuming in the case of Spider-Ham, people is is kind of good for him to sort of see that he belongs among them and he has a place among them and he can fit in. I, I think as well the um the the spider persons, the spider people, they're all like vastly different to each other as well. And I think um I love that message that they they are all spider people, but they are all very distinct and that they relate to each other through the shared thing that they have but i think that he learns that he can he can be an individual as well as he can be himself and be we are all man. individuals we're all individuals the the other thing on a much shallower level um i just like that he was cool like yeah. peter parker is is nerdy and anxious <laughs> yeah. and um kicks and hand it- in that motherfucker's face <laughs> yeah. sorry ada that's the third f oh my god <laughs> sorry that poor child She'll have to turn off now. I'm sure she but, made it this far. Yeah, you, you watch Peter Parker, you can absolutely see why Flash Thompson would just want to pummel him. Mm-hmm. Pummel his stupid, oh nerdy, God, little so specky mean. face. And like uh, Tom... I wear glasses. <laughs> I should point that out. And me. And Helen does. And, yes, <laughs> and Helen's not wearing glasses today because she hurt her knee. What? Okay. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Um, even um, even Tom Holland's Peter Parker, who has a little bit more... He is quite the trendy. No, no. Uh, Tom Holland... The, the director. No, uh, the other Tom Holland, the roof repairman. No, 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 not that one. The, the, the other Tom. No. Oh, good. Hey, there's another one. There's, there's another, another one. Yeah, Tom Holland into the yeah. Holland verse. <laughs> yeah, is on the way. Well, they all come together. <laughs> not that way. Keep it clean, guys. Basically, I was just saying that Miles Morales is really cool, and he's got a chance the rapper poster on his wall, <laughs> and he's got an amazing pair of uh, Nike Jordans, which are being made in real life. And I think they would probably look terrible on me, so I probably <laughs> won't buy a pair. But they are really cool, and I'm jealous that he lives in a world where Chance the Rapper's fourth album is out. There are like fake posters for things. And I'm not sure. Did from you see Dusk Till Sean. Wright? Yeah, yes. Edgar Wright put out there from Dusk Till Sean. There's like a fake The Weekend poster as well. All these nods that just feel like it makes that character feel really authentic and different. Yeah, those were really awesome. Also, by the way, did you notice anytime anyone's uh, scrolling through their phone looking for a contact, pretty much all the contacts, or not all of them, but many of the contacts are Spider-Man writers of old, artists and the the like. It's a lovely little way to nod, not just to Stan Lee, although there's a beautiful moment for him as well, but to have that nod to, to the wider kind of Marvel family. Absolutely, yeah. You, you see the likes of in that phone. You, you, I think there's a Stanley reference in that phone as well. But just Steve Ditko is in there. Kirby, there's Bendis yeah, as well. Absolutely, they're, they're all they're, they're all in there, all of them. But yeah, there's also a Seth Rogen movie that I've seen this movie a couple of times now, and I can never remember what it's called. But it's something like keeping. I don't know. It's a generic Seth Rogeny type of things. But apparently, these are all these were all done with with the respect and with the uh, the okay and approval of the filmmakers. So from Dust till Sean, which is the the much-mooted ingest uh, Shaun of the Dead sequel. Uh, you can see a poster for that in Times Square. It's just lots of lots of little layers here as well. And you're right, like, Miles is also... You know, Peter Parker would never be throwing graffiti up onto a subway platform or slapping stickers onto signs or, you know, just showing those, those, little, those little moments of rebellion that, you know, he doesn't want to be put into that box that society wants to put him into uh, and that's really interesting blooming for that character I think and also it really plays in nicely to the I think the film's big twist 
Actually, I'd say there's two big twists in this film. Uh, correct me. You may think there's a third. Okay. You may you may disagree with my twist. First twist is that his uncle is the Prowler. Uh, yeah. Did anyone see that coming? First of all, and uh, secondly, the big the other big twist is that the first Peter Parker we meet, uh, he gets deadified. I did guess about his uncle, although not immediately, but before he turns up in the suit. Did you guess he was a bad? One? I guess he was that character about maybe I don't know ten minutes before. Really? Yeah. But sure, no, you're working out, Helen O'Hara. I honestly don't remember it because I've only seen it once. I would like to go see it again. In fact, I'm I'm going to see it again multiple times, but unfortunately the timing hasn't worked out. But no, I just thought it would make more sense. It would make most sense if he was, um, if he was his uncle. Yeah, I thought he was up to no good in terms of whenever he gets a phone yeah. call yeah, in you knew that immediately, the tunnel. I yeah. But I didn't think he was working for the Kingpin and I certainly didn't think he was a prowler. I think I, I figured it out about 10 minutes after it was revealed. <laughs> I went, that, why, is why is he wearing the Prowler suit? Wait a minute. So that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big twist. So obviously fans of the comic book will know that twist. Fans, again, of Marvel Puzzle Quest will know that twist uh. because the Prowler, uh, the Aaron Davis iteration, is a playable character on Marvel Puzzle Quest. It is available through the App Store. And this, by the way, does this prove that it's not the MCU? Because, of course, we had him played by Donald Glover already in the MCU. Uh, the Prowler? No, um, his uncle. His uncle. Oh my God! And there's another prowler, two prowlers, in fact, in uh, Homecoming. So there you go. Yeah. So this is not the MCU. We, you know, that that's that's fine. That is definitive. But that's a very very good point, Helen. You're welcome. He, he mentions his, he mentions, he mentions his nephew at some point as well. Holy shit! This blows the thing wide open, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. So why is it, hang on? Why is he Davis if he's his? Never mind. It's his, okay. So yeah. it's his his mum is Morales. His dad is Davis. His dad was a Baden who right. hung around with his uncle and did bad things. Gotcha. Worked for the Kingpin back in the day. In protest about that, his mum, who had custody of Miles, gave him her name. And then when his dad turned over a new leaf, Jefferson turned over a new leaf and obviously became a cop and went very, very straight indeed. Uh, gotcha. The name stuck anyway. Okay. So he's Miles Morales. Uh, and also, as someone else pointed out, otherwise he'd be Miles Davis. Oh, that'd, although <laughs> yeah. that'd be pretty awesome. That'd be pretty um, awesome. Question about uh, the the Chris Pine thing. Uh, yes. I, what I will say is, I was sitting there thinking, God, he sounds a lot like Chris Pine. But I know this character isn't Chris Pine. I know he's Jake Johnson. So it's so weird that Jake Johnson sounds so much like Chris Pine. Gosh, I'm surprised by that. And my sister was literally whispering in my ear the whole time, going, "That's Chris Pine." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I think it's Jake Johnson. It just sounds like Chris Pine." But yeah, so I was I was kidding myself about the voice, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. so that the death did come as a surprise. That's interesting. I think I saw the death in the, cause I saw the first thirty seven minutes. They, they showed it at the London Comic Con a few a couple of months ago, and I saw the first thirty seven minutes there, and I thought it was fantastic. I didn't put the the, the voice and the and the character together at all. I just didn't think Chris Pine would pop up in this universe, even if it's not technically speaking this universe. Uh, I think he's really really cool. The idea behind that Peter Parker, as you may have heard in the uh, in the interview, is that he's a sort of uber Peter Parker, that he is the ultimate Spider Man, but not. Ultimate Spider-Man. It gets confusing. But, anyway, <laughs> but, you know, he has... He's, you know, he, he's the super, super duper Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah, he's like the apotheosis of what this character can be. Like, he's young, he looks like the, you know, he's got abs, yeah. he doesn't love pizza. He he's, sounds like Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. He looks, uh, he's, you know... Like Chris Pine. He looks like Chris Pine. He is, he is endlessly heroic, even at the end when he has, I presume, a broken back or something. He is still defiant in the face of the kingpin and his big fist. And... You know, he has the he has an Aunt May who has evolved well beyond the other Aunt Mays, and she's built this incredible spider cave and all sorts of stuff and spider gadgets. And but it still surprised me. I'll be honest; I was expecting him to come back at some point. 
Yeah, I guess it works better that he didn't because then it puts the pressure on Miles to be the Spider-Man. Yeah. And by the way, it's really hard for me to talk about these multiple Spider-Mans without singing the song from Kimmy Schmidt, um, which What's Titus sings. It's it's a song from Spider-Man 2, the, the musical sequel, <laughs> Spider-Man 2, Too Many Spider-Men. Um, and it's it's kind of the title song. And I, I highly recommend just Google Titus Andronicus can, or Kimmy Schmidt. Can you give us a, a, a bar? Give us two um, bars. And I will crush that Spider-Man and then that other Spider-Man till I'm the Spider-Man, etc. It's amazing. Brilliant. Wow. He does, it, a, he does it much better than I do. I'd like to make that took a turn, didn't <laughs> it? Sorry. That took a turn. But you, you like this? Uh, you like the fact that the, the the Chris Pine Spider-Man ended up in a Chris Pine box? Oh, that's really harsh. I mean, I don't like. I didn't hope for it, but like. You wanted. You campaigned actively. You printed out leaflets. <laughs> it was a flyer. Kill Spider Man! Yeah. I said it was a flash mob. Um, no, I just, I just think dramatically it works well in terms of Miles's development because this is Miles' story. And I didn't mind either as well because he was, he was blonde. And it was weird having a blonde Spider Man. <laughs> I can, I can live in a world where wow. there's a Spider Ham, where there is an animating girl Spider person who has a spider robot. Blonde, blonde Peter Parker. Oh my is god! That, is oh that my god! Racist. Is that a thing? Ben. No. Ben is the only person keeping alive the website bondnotblonde.com when Daniel Look, Craig was announced. History will prove me right. <laughs> okay. Spidermannotblonde.com yeah. will soon be yeah. following. Just to see Ben ranting about this. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a lovely little touch and I thought, you know, but gradually the story does become miles as as, uh, as that goes along. And I also like the fact we only got to see that Spider-Man really once. Apart from that mm. chazzy, funky, hey, let me go through this one last time. Uh, of course, we got to see those lovely shout-outs to Spider-Man 3 and mm. Spider-Man 2. Yes. And- oh, my God, so <laughs> funny. So good. Yeah, really, really fun. I, I think, I didn't get a chance to ask Lord of Miller List, largely because, um, what was the reason? Oh, yeah, I forgot. But why all the Spider-Men slash Spider-People slash Spider-Pigs show up in this universe at the same time? And it's because... And he goes through the dimensional it, rift. Yeah, it's because isn't it? his face is basically pushed into the rift at one point yeah. in the middle of the fight, and that's that's the DNA signature or whatever it is that yeah. then calls all these people here. Yeah. So it's the same plan that the kingpin is planning to use to bring back Vanessa and his son is to put some of their DNA basically into the yes. into the vortex, and that and is bringing going to bring them, them back, back. At which point he would have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. Well, I guess so. Yeah. It would it would seem? But I mean, wh- when has the kingpin ever been reasonable about Vanessa? Vanessa! Vanessa! He's a bit of a prick. We can say prick in a PG-13 podcast. Okay, I guess. We can't say fuck. Oh, jeez. You can't drop the fuck, (laughs) Ben. Um, The the Kingpin was interesting. I didn't spot it was Liev Schreiber at all. No. I didn't know that, so... He put on 400 pounds for the role. (laughs) God forbid. He's perfect as he is. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I didn't recognise his voice. It didn't it didn't ring a bell with me at all. So that was a surprise in the credits. No, but it doesn't surprise me that they would get someone like that to yeah to voice King. He's got a great voice. He's just got one of those fantastic mm. voices. He is a New Yorker as well, I think. So that would come naturally to me. But because the Kingpin wants to get back at Spider Man, you would just go to Mister Schreiber because, as we all know, living well is the best revenge. Oh, wait, that was such a long setup for so little payoff. Have <laughs> I heard that before? <laughs> People speaking to my wife. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I'm in trouble now. Anyway, here we go. Should we get some questions? Let's do it. Or is there anything else you want to talk about this movie? Um, so the uh, oh, so I will say that I didn't see the, the Uncle Twist coming, just to go back to that. Yeah. It's the second Spider-Man film that had a twist where the baddie is related to a good 
character that you've already met and you don't realize it uh it's the home yeah. twist all over again which also took me massively by surprise um S- but the, the other big twist i'd say if you're saying there's potentially third is, is the doc ock reveal yeah. oh yeah that's that, a good one. that took me yeah. by surprise and that was i loved that moment i really loved the uh, iteration of the character and you were saying that the sort of surprise when you see the credits and that that was Catherine hahn yeah um uh, yeah when the credits were coming at the end it was a constant kind of oh that was that person and that was who this was this uh, i did i actually didn't know that they hadn't announced most of that stuff before the film came out they'd managed to keep it all under wraps mm. um but yeah the, the doc ock reveal um really worked for me and again it's all these little moments all the way through that just just add energy and excitement to to the story and uh to this version of new twists on things that are familiar mm-hmm. and um i thought that the, the pacing of it was great because when that doc ock reveal comes it's it's everything's already kind of ramped up to a certain point but it just pushes it into the next gear kind of action wise story wise character wise mm-hmm. um so i really really love that moment that 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 i found that more surprising than uh peter parker dying because that felt like a a very sort of organic part of where the story comes from i think because i i went into it knowing that it was going to be miles's story that mm-hmm. um i didn't expect there to be a peter parker at uh, the center of yeah. it and because peter parker dies in the uh, universe the ultimate uni- ultimate universe where miles becomes spider-man that's yeah. his storyline yeah. you know he takes over from peter parker uh, initially anyway and then all sorts of craziness happens as well uh, and we also we, i guess we should have known that the peter parker this peter parker peter a parker i'm going to call him uh he died because in the 5 minutes of this movie that was tacked on to the end of venom it's mm-hmm. miles visiting peter's grave so mm-hmm. i guess we should have figured that one Pro- out probably should well. have spotted that when you should have spotted that i i didn't say through the credits of venom that's right i let down the whole comic book Universe by not staying through the credits. Of the I, film. Uh, did you stand up and go, Harumph! This is not for me. Not for me. Goodbye. All right, we're going to take some questions now. Theo Fisher, 11, asks Can we put the ghost of Spider Man 3 to rest now that the Gunfingers scene has been hilariously dealt with? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we weren't around to do spoiler specials for Spider Man 3, were we? No. Um, and, and it was. It was a film with many good ideas that shouldn't have had venom tacked onto the end of it. Let's be honest. It was it was a it was a film that just it should have been weird and it wasn't allowed to be weird and it just didn't work. So yeah, I think we can now just just let's just move past it. Let's move past uh, Amazing Spider-Man's as well and and just just move on with our lives and just rejoice yeah. in the two Spider-Men we now have who are doing well and looking good. Tom Holland. Although we don't currently have him, I suppose, technically. Who? Tom Holland. Oh, no, 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 we don't. No, that guy's dust. Dost? dost? He's dost. That guy's <laughs> dost. Both dust and toast. <laughs> toast. It's like dust. You ever had dust toast? It's the best. <laughs> really, really tasty. Yeah, that guy's toast. Here's another question. This one comes from James S. Wilson. Which of the spider people do you think you are? And why is James <laughs> Dyer Spider-Man Noir? <laughs> He's Spider-Ham. Is he though? <laughs> no, he's, he's Spider-Man Noir on the outside, Spider-Ham on the inside. I think. <laughs> By the way, I love John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. I just love his sort of nineteen forties voice. I just yes. think it's the greatest thing in in the world. That's it's, John Mulaney's normal voice, isn't it? I don't. I think I don't know. I, I I don't know what is his default, but it's amazing. If you haven't seen Kid Gorgeous on Netflix or any of his other specials, please seek them out. You're going to enjoy it so much. Um, but uh, I I'm obviously uh, my kinsman uh, Miguel O'Hara. Okay, let's get into it now. Let's talk okay. about it. Okay, so, so the... Uh, post credit sting. post credit sting, yeah. Which is Spider-Man 2099. Yep. 
interesting person number one is Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara. Yeah. Now, I love this comic book. Peter David wrote it uh, years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago when Marvel tried a uh, 2099 universe. Tell us about Miguel O'Hara. He's closest to the actually firing webs out of his arse, isn't he? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like spiders do. Oh. Yeah. Although, as Lord Miller explained, actually, they fire them out from their chest, not from their arse. Yeah. But, but, so yeah it's the abdomen that they fire them out from. And your oh abdomen is in your... Frontal region, not your not, back. Not the butt. Yeah, not Good the butt. Lord. So he's a geneticist, Chris. He's like intelligent and stuff. Duh. Um Yeah, obviously. And and yeah, okay. So it's the usual, you know, strength, speed, agility of a spider. Um, uh, is uh, basically had half his DNA re- rewritten with the spider's genetic code. Um, and uh, increased vitality, resistance to injury, the whole thing. But he apparently doesn't have a spidey sense. Is that right? I got my spidey senses tingling. <laughs> I can't remember, but no, probably not. Great. He good does costume, have, though. Yeah, good costume and enhanced vision and spinnerets in his forearms, so it's an organic web slinger. Yes, which yes. I, I mean, I know this is not canon. I know it's not allowed, but I, I always liked that about the Raimi films. It felt elegant to me, mm-hmm. whereas the, you know, the... the mechanical thing just seems like oh okay so you got bitten by a spider and you developed spider abilities but also you happen to have developed a formula for that enables you to throw webs it's like like it just feels a bit it feels a bit clumsy as a piece of storytelling so i always quite like organic web slingers anyway so yeah um he can uh i don't know he's good i like him he's good but i'll be honest mostly i I like him because his name is miguel o'hara and we don't have that many we we really don't have that many superheroes you know in my family we've obviously got Scarlett O'Hara who's a hero in her own way I guess yeah sure, sure. Mons- Catherine O'Hara Catherine O'Hara who's definitely a hero Miguel, um, Monsignor O'Hara from the Sister Act movies who is of course Maggie Smith's boss so he must be pretty badass okay but I mean you know a proper superhero it's it's exciting Ben any any superhero Travises <sighs> there's Nancy um, Travis obviously there's but she's not technically a superhero I mean not really superhero I'm trying to think of surnames as well there's lots of Travis Fornames, Travis Knight. Uh, yeah. He's not a superhero, yeah. but he's a or super Knight. good filmmaker. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Who else? The, dra- uh, the band, Travis. The band, Travis. The yeah. man who is a, it's a good 90s throwback. Banger uh, after banger, mate. Yeah. Great. What else have we got? Why does it always rain on me? It's because oh. you lied when you were 17, Chris. Uh, I did many things when I was 17, Ben. The, um, what, what about you? Are there any. Who are the famous Hewitts? I mean, there's really not that many. There's. Um, the Leighton, Jennifer Love, obviously Jennifer Love. You gotta, you gotta love Jennifer Love. Um, and me, right? As, okay. as a C. Hewitt. Yeah. Did you invent Chewitts? Keep talking, Ben. Uh, <laughs> I talking, feel ben. like I'm might be about to be faced. Out here. <laughs> okay, there we go. He's gone. So Helen, it's just me and you now. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> no, I'm putting you back up, Ben. There you go. I'm but, back. Uh, yeah. Graham Wright asks, just a couple of last questions. Graham Wright asks, uh, see, this is what I was talking about, the animation. The jokes and story, albeit very weird, was so good that the unusual animation was a bit of a distraction. Did you have to look around the screen to check if anyone else was wearing 3D glasses? <laughs> this is not out of the ordinary. This, is, this has happened quite a lot. In fact, the animation style is almost, uh, I know this again from talking to Lord Miller, is almost deliberately styled in that way. Uh, it's re training us in a way it's teaching us how to watch how to look at the frame so they will uh, they will almost make parts of the frame blurry at times mm. 
to point your eye towards where it needs to focus. It's really, really very clever. But I think for some people, I've seen other people saying this as well, that they thought it just looks like a 3D movie that people forgot to bring the glasses to. <laughs> but I think after about 10, 15 minutes, your eye begins to accept the norm, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's a little bit like uh, reading comic books in a way, because I think some people... Remember, I was talking to one friend, I can't remember exactly who. I have a suspicion, but I'm not going to name names in case I'm wrong. Um, but one friend had real trouble reading comic books because he didn't really look at the images. When he read them, he'd just read the, the speech bubbles. And and so it didn't... It made sense, but it, it was very unsatisfying as a way of reading, and he find it really off-putting. And it's you almost have to retrain your eye to read the image as well as the dialogue you know um so i think there's an element of maybe that going on or it's like going to a shakespeare play and it takes you 10 minutes to get your ear in and understand what's going on with the language and then once you've done that once you've kind of adjusted then everything else is fine even if you don't understand a specific phrase you kind of get what's going on um and and it's it's a bit like that with this animation but but in a good way in a really really good way i think it's worth getting into it because i think there's so much being added to the story being added to what you're feeling by some of these tricks and, and touches. I liked it as well. I think it felt like a bit of a nod to the fact that this is just a your your we in our universe are seeing into another universe and it and it it looks the same but it looks slightly off or like I've only seen the film once at the mm-hmm. moment, but mm-hmm. um I'd be intrigued to watch it again and see if those moments if they stand out more when when you're kind of immersed in Miles's world rather mm-hmm. than when all the other stuff's going on because that felt like a nod of just kind of here's a universe that's the same but it's slightly different and we're, we're, yeah. we're revealing that through this kind of slight um yeah where it looks like you should be wearing the kind of old style green red um kind of polarized 3d glasses mm. um personally I'm, I'm really glad it wasn't in 3d i don't know if that was part of the question or not because i think that would be an extra oh, yeah, layer be. Too, much. Be too much yeah. um, and i think part of the beauty of, of the animation is is giving you those 3D textures within 2D animation, mm. or the, the 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 switching of those um, different layers of animation, often within the same scene, is is part of the like really lovely visual design of it. Yeah, all. you know, you got to watch this in a new way. This is a new thing. You got to watch it in a new, in a new way. And I, I I really like that about it. Um, also, one of the things I loved about it was how funny it was. So uh, it's, funny. It's emotional. It's moving. It's thrilling. It goes full batshit fucking dit sorry Ada it goes full batshit ditko insanity in the last 20 minutes or so in a way that you're thinking well could they have done this in a live action no they couldn't have <laughs> it would have been green screen jamboree but uh uh, but I loved how funny it was as well. It just—it's a very, very funny film. We, we've mentioned the um, the end tag and what it means of bringing in Miguel O'Hara and stuff. But the thing, uh, as somebody, I recognise that character because I know that design. But I honestly, that's so funny. The the, <laughs> the Spider Man meme, the pointing meme. I my face was aching. Oh, you saw me afterwards. I was like, I was <laughs> my a grin was just stuck on my face. It, I was doubled over laughing. I, I think this and Homecoming are two of the just all-out funniest films of the last couple of years. They are two of the funniest comedies that aren't even... That's not even the, the, the main genre that they're playing into. They they both really um, tickled me. And this especially, um, it was so so full Lord and Miller in a way that I hadn't quite expected. And I think in a year where we had um, Solo, that I know a lot of people really enjoyed, um, but it felt like in Solo I was looking for those moments of kind of sort of 
Lord inspiration. The Lord and Miller moments yeah. of kind of that either bit of genius inspiration or the really funny moments. And you felt it in little bits here and there. And then this was so full strength. Yeah. Like, it's crazy, but it's it's crazy smart and really funny because it's so well thought out. I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah. It, it is really well thought. I mean, just the little scene with uh, Miles and his dad through the door and he can't talk to his dad because he's literally tied up and gagged. But... Um, his dad knows he's there and and is sort of talking to him and they can't communicate but they are kind of mm. there is a breakthrough there anyway and it's it's just beautifully beautifully played just the the cleverness of that scene is is something else um but yeah it's it also the lord miller freaking hilarity and and even you know uh the traditional stanley cameo um oh. one of the last ones and of course the first one we've seen since he died uh and then that moment in the middle of the credits where they just stop for him um and steve Ditko. and steve Ditko. Yeah. it was was just a, a beautiful little touch um and uh and a really you know self-deprecating funny cameo as well you know sort of making fun of his own yeah kind of commercial instincts as well a little bit yeah. going no you can't can't bring it back it'll, it'll fit it's fine always fits yeah but also really touching as well just really you know, like touching. you know we were friends once and yeah I, it was touching whenever i saw it in the third first 37 minutes before he died and then after he died it seemed, seemed to take on some sort of new emotional significance yeah um, and the rest of the movie is really moving as well the relationship between as you say miles and uh, and jeff his dad is really interesting and it doesn't go down the i was desperately hoping they wouldn't go down the route of he becomes like the jjj of this universe oh, in a way and is yeah. swearing to bring down spider-man at all costs and i'm so glad that at the end there was some sort of reconciliation there between uh, the cop and the vigilante. Yeah. Also, what a year is Brian Tyree Henry having? My God. Yeah. He's doing pretty well for himself. And long may it continue because he's doing pretty well for us as well. Uh, last question comes from at Paul F. O'Regan. When Gwen met Miles, why did she use a fake name? Uh, the whole thing about her coming back a week in the past and, no- and knowing to find Miles didn't make a lick of sense. I guess they just wanted her in the movie early. Um, I think the, the, the week in the past makes total sense to me because dimensional travel yada yada timey-wimey stuff yeah, big wibbly-wobbly ball 42-year-old Peter Parker and a 26-year-old Peter Parker and they both sound different exactly and a 1930s Peter Parker who (laughs) sounds really different and has the best lines in the movie he was hilarious. The, the, him with the with the uh, Rubik's cube yes. was genius. Is that purple? No. The the uh, the constant wind that's going on around yes. him, and there's a moment where Spider Ham is on Spider Man Noir's shoulder, and his um and Spider Ham's ears are like flowing in the breeze because he's on Spider Man Noir. He is also in that bubble where the breeze yes. is. It's yeah. so good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, so it to- totally makes sense to me that she'd come through a week early. That's kind of timey-wimey stuff. Totally fine. Um, and the the fact is they all react to each other when they meet. There, there is this sort of spider tingle when all of them meet. So it, it I didn't have a problem with that, actually. It sort of made sense. Yeah. I, mean, I guess he didn't have it. Miles didn't have it when he meets her mm. after he's been bitten. Uh, which, by the way, is another thing that another clue to Aaron being the prowler. Like, how did he know to take him to that particular tunnel? Because yeah. he'd been there the night before, presumably uh, working for the kingpin. But uh, yeah, it's, but then again, Miles has that flop sweat and has other things to worry about. Trying to impress this hot girl that he's really, you know, connecting with, and the, the shoulder touch is a, <laughs> a, a lovely thing as well. Hey, hey. <laughs> Don't try it at home, kids. Miles Morales is a professional. Yeah, you, uh, I have another, you can I, say working better for Mahershala Ali than for, yes. than for Miles. Or need anyone else, <laughs> pretty much. I have another uh, idea about the Gwen thing. Okay. There's another Gwen Stacy in this universe. <gasps> and presumably, right? Yeah. Because she's coming from, you know, everyone's coming from a world where there's a Peter Parker. Yeah. Pretty much. Seems like, There's maybe. a Peter Porker and a Peter Parker and a Peter B. Park. So presumably, there is also a Gwen Stacy 
in this universe that Miles Morales hasn't met yet. So if she's going around sending Gwen Stacy and then he meets another one, who knows? Fair enough. Works for me? Sure. Yeah. Works for me. All right. Final question. Who's favourite Spider-Man? Go. Uh, Penny Parker's robot specifically, when it had the little sad face on it, that was the most heartbreaking part of the film for me. I'm going to say Spider-Man Noir because I've just remembered him with the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> just everything he does and everything he says is just genius. Yeah. I'm still not sure Nick Cage knew they were recording the film. They, they just go out and, and wave how, a microphone How good face. is it that this year he's been Spider-Man and Superman at such long last? What a banner year for him. What a What a year. But he hasn't played Banner. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Uh, my favourite, uh, I. you know what? I like them all. I like them all equally. Fence-sitting bastard, honestly. That's me, and that is it for this Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse spider spoiler spider special. Uh, our next spoiler special, we've got a whole tunnel coming up, is going to be for Aquaman with director James Wan, spilling the aqua beans and that. Following that, we're going to have Travis Knight. He's not a hero, but he is a knight. Uh, and that's going to be Bumblebee, and that'll be up sometime before New Year's Day. I need to sleep <laughs> at some point, guys. But it'll be up at some point. Regular podcast is out every Friday, as ever. We've also got a review of the year podcast, which will be going up on Friday the 28th of December. Busy, busy times. Uh, anyway, until we meet again, it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Goodbye. It is goodbye from Ben Travis. Whip. Goodbye. <laughs> wow, he's just, he's just gone. He's out the window. And it's goodbye from me. I am off to once again live up to the maxim with great ability comes great accountability thanks for listening see you next time bye